all the good love When we're all alone Keep it up girl Yeah you turn me on program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Herfman. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. <laughs> yes. Allow me to puff as well. Mm. Uh, Those are some powerful herbs. <laughs> giving me dark visions. Shall we pack this again? I, I'm not giving visions. I'm not sure if it's working, is it? Visions. Visions. Thaddeus, are you seeing what I'm seeing? You making a fool of yourself. <laughs> I think Jacko's a Latino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you to hold on in a second here. The Jacko. All right, everybody. Welcome to another Sunday evening. On Inside the Jackal's Head, this is going to be a, an exciting show tonight. We have just a phenomenal lineup. Um, I'm so excited about the guest tonight. Tim Branham is going to join us, and we're going to debut some really cool music. Now, if you guys remember this show, we've, we had a, a, a show a while back when we had a gentleman named Thad Bird on the show here, and uh, we're, we're going to have him back also, and we're going to have a lot of folks joining us. Uh, this is a huge lineup of people that are going to be on the show. I'm so, so excited about it that I had to play the song opening up tonight. I had to play Hooked on a Feeling by Guardians of the Galaxy. No, not really by Guardians of the Galaxy, by Blue Suede. But I'm going to jump into some news because that's what we do around here on Inside the Jackal's Head. Before we get the guest on, we're going to go into a little news for the evening. And number one at the box office. Again. Guardians of the Galaxy is going to take the weekend, folks. This is an amazing movie, and it's doing just phenomenal. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what's going on with this film, but it's about to hit $300 million domestically. And this is uh, and I mean, this is probably like the best uh, scenario that Marvel could have ever dreamed of. Uh, the movie is, uh, again, number it's going to be number one at the box office this weekend. Now, it is a slow weekend at the box office, uh, but this movie's been number one now for like, what, five weeks? Something like that. Now, no one expected this movie to do this good. And on one of the worst weekends in years, Guardians of the Galaxy easily held to the first place for the third straight week. Meanwhile, the identical um, the identical movie that came out the week's only new nationwide release bombed with less than two million. So nothing can stop Guardians of the Galaxy. The top twelve earned an estimate fifty one point nine million, which makes it the lowest grossing weekend in two years. In the past decade, the worst weekend was about uh, September 5th through the 7th in 2008. And um, you see, when the uh, top 12 grossed only $50.3 million. So, very bad weekend, but still, Guardians of the Galaxy, easily the number one movie of, of this weekend, and eased in with about 41% to an estimate $10.2 million for the weekend. Now, this is the movie's fourth week uh, at first place. Now, it's had four weeks of first place, remember, and it came out, it had one week, and then Ninja Turtles took it down for two and three, you know, they had uh, the top spot, and then it went back to number one, and it's been number one now for three weeks in a row, again, which is an incredible thing. I mean, movies just don't do this anymore. 
This is a movie's, uh, again, fourth weekend at first place. The only other movie to do this and accomplish this in the past 10 years. This is how important this is. The last 10 years was The Dark Knight, Avatar, and The Hunger Games. That's it. In the past decade, those are the only other movies that have done this. So, as of uh, this Saturday, Guardians of the Galaxy also passed last summer's <clears throat> Men of Steel, which is actually a very, you know, noteworthy uh, thing, and it's actually a, a hell of a compliment, given the uh, the actual discrepancy in the uh, pre-existing fan base. Uh, as everybody knows, Superman is the greatest and longest-running superhero of all times, right? The number one guy, Superman. Who the hell was Guardians of the Galaxy? Nobody knew these these characters. Nobody. And without any uh, really pre-existing fan base, this movie is now at 294 million domestically. Guardians is now the highest grossing movie ever for a month for the month of August, ahead of only the sixth sense. And it's on track uh, to ultimately pass the original Iron Man movie at three, which that's another amazing thing. That one grossed 318 million dollars, and they are, they're saying that Guardians is going to pass that easily. Now, congratulations to Marvel. Again, we, uh, we've we been talking a lot about that on the Roundtable show. And, you know, I like to get into uh, the movie news stuff. And I like to get into uh, how these movies are doing. Because I'm a huge geek. I love comic book movies. And uh, to see this movie kick this much ass, it's just awesome. It's almost as kick-ass as the song Enemy by our guest tonight, Tim Branham. Which uh, debuts today, by the way, 9-7. It debuts today. It's an awesome song. We're going to play it later on the show. And uh, I can't wait for you guys to listen to the interview with these guys. A lot of folks are going to be on. This is—I'm not even going to say how many people are going to be on the line because that would kind of ruin it. I'm going to let you all just hear all the voices that are going to be inside the jackal's head tonight. I can tell you this much: you put one hand out in front of your face, you don't have enough fingers to count the the amount of people that are going to be on this show tonight. So it's going to be really exciting. Now check this out: number two at the box office, uh, the, the Ninja Turtles is still holding up. Very well, it held on to the uh, second place with about six point five million, and that's only down forty six percent uh, from last week, which is actually pretty good. I mean, the movie has already been out for what four weeks now, something like that. The movie has uh, grossed an impressive one hundred and seventy four point six million thus far, and um, that's uh, that's really really good considering this movie was uh, trashed and bombed on the internet by every critic alive. Uh, you know, like that. Um, Comic book nerd girl. Um, I forget her name now. Uh, she's the Cuban girl. She does the comic book stuff. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right, Pete? Yeah, she's kind of cute. Yeah, uh, K1 likes her also. But uh, no, anyway, she, uh, you know, she was trashing this movie for about a year, just trashing the hell out of it. Uh, she did a, a rant video, which is really funny. She, you know, on her uh, YouTube, she just ranted off on how horrible the movie was. I, you know, I saw the Ninja Turtles movie. I liked it. I thought it was a fun movie. You know what it is? Some of these nerds forget. Uh, how it is to watch some of these movies for the first time, you know, as a kid. You know, when you were a kid, you loved the Ninja Turtles, and it was something new and fresh, and, you know, and, and it was cool, and, you know, and now we've grown up with that image, so it's kind of hard to, like, I guess, have that change take place, but I enjoyed it. I thought the change was fine, and I like the characterization of the Ninja Turtles in this thing, and it's doing really well. It's on pace to get close to $200 million, um, which, again, with the the amount of backlash that the movie received... And, uh, it, you know, it, it, really it all stems from the whole Michael Bay effect. 
That's really what it is. You know, everybody has this hatred for Michael Bay. It's like, oh, Michael Bay is Satan. He puts his name on anything. He's like, oh, we, you know, we got to bash Michael Bay. We got to bash whatever his name is on. He didn't direct this thing. That's what kills me about, you know, some of the fanboys online. Jonathan, Jonathan Libsman actually directed this thing, and he did a great job. He Now, he has kind of a shady background when it comes to directing. I will admit he's done some kind of crappy movies. Wrath of the Titans. Eh, not very good. Battle of Los Angeles. Eh, that was okay. I enjoyed his Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, the beginning. I thought that was a good movie. Uh, Darkness Falls was okay, but you know, it, look, he's evolving as a director. Not every movie's going to be crap like Wrath of the Titan. Or, you know, not every movie's that bad. Even Spielberg, the greatest director of all time, has directed a few, uh, you know, crappy movies in his day. One or two, maybe three or four. So, you know, it, it is all what right. it is. That's right. You know, even Spielberg makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect, especially in Hollywood. Uh, but, uh, you know, Jonathan uh, Liebsman, I think he did a good job with the Ninja Turtles. And uh, the sequel's already greenlit, so $174 million uh, domestically. It's at uh, $300 million worldwide. So it's a profitable movie. It's uh, The sequel's already going to be done, and uh, it's on its way. And yes, Megan Fox is returning. So all the haters that hate Megan Fox, you know, they, they're going to have to suck it up because she's going to be back. I, I I enjoy Megan Fox. You know, she's not going to win an Oscar. That's for damn sure. Hell no. Not going to win an Oscar, no. But, uh, you know, she's cool. You know, she she's pleasant on the eyes, Megan Fox. Uh, now, real quick, rounding out the uh, top ten here. Check this out before we, we play the first track. I'm going to play the song Enemy before we actually go on the official break and get everybody on the phone here and uh, start the official interview with our guests. But I want to play that song and then come back and... and uh, Talk a little bit before the break again, but uh, check this out. Rounding off the uh, top ten, after Guardians of the Galaxy and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, we got If I Stay, which I have not seen. Uh, Let's Be Cops, haven't seen that either. November Man, which it's weird, that movie's bombing so bad. That's the uh, Pierce Brosnan movie. You seen that movie, Pete? No. Uh, Nobody else has. Actually, you're not the only one. Uh, Bombing terribly in the... See, that came in uh, number... Number five, right? Yeah, that's number five. Number six, uh, as above, so below. Number seven, when the game stands tall. Number eight, the giver. That's what they call Pete over here. Ain't that right, Pete? All right. That's right. Uh, the let me see the hundred foot journey. I haven't seen that one either, and uh, that's number nine. Lucy, number ten. Lucy's another movie they kind of didn't you know do as well as I thought it did. I mean, it, went, it made what 120 million, so profitable movie. It did really well worldwide, but I thought that was going to be a bigger, bigger hit. But uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson is so hot right now with uh, the Avengers and all that stuff and all that other stuff, and uh, Morgan Freeman is in that also. So I thought it was going to be at least you know 180 million dollar blockbuster, but. It's doing, I guess, okay. Luke, ben- Luke Besson is a really good director, though. Um, it's a good movie, too. You guys uh, check it out. So that's the uh, top ten for the weekend box office news. Now, this is uh, the first song I'm going to play tonight, and it's uh, from our guest Tim Branham. And, uh, again, this is the actual single that he uh, he's promoting tonight, and we're going to uh, talk to him on how uh, you know he got this uh, video made and how he, you know, he came up with the song and how he put everybody everybody together to uh, make this song and uh, it's a really really cool track I highly recommend everybody check it out it's going to actually be placed on uh, the website inside jackalshead.com on the main page even you know after a few weeks and I have other shows it's still going to be right there on the front page so if anybody wants to uh, check out the video it's going to be right there on our website again this is Enemy by Tim Branham 
Check it out. actually been bumping this song and uh I, it is funny because uh you know I've, I've i used to be into like rock when i was younger i used to listen to a lot of the uh, bands that we're going to talk about tonight actually uh to, funny enough uh but i haven't really been into like rock music or, or, or metal or anything like that in years and i started listening to the attracts uh, the other day when they sent it to me and it's really good stuff I man this like takes me back to like the 80s and you know 90s and you know early rock not like some of the rock we have now which i don't even consider rock I mean, honestly, some of the stuff now is just bizarre to me. You know what else is bizarre? And we're gonna, and this is something I wanted to talk about real quick uh, before we go on our, our first break. Um, something happened today that made me feel really, really old for the first time. And if you're a sports fan, like I'm a huge sports fanatic, I love sports. Uh, maybe this happened to you also if you're watching today. Uh, but Derek Jeter's retiring after this year, and uh, he's one of my all-time favorite players. I grew up idolizing Derek Jeter as a kid. 
which it's really weird now because uh, he's retiring this year, and uh, he gave his final speech uh, to the Yankee fans uh, in what was uh, today celebrated as Derek Jeter Day. And uh, a really cool celebration on, on in New York happened, and uh, they uh, honored Derek Jeter, uh, arg- you know, arguably one of the greatest Yankees of all times, and uh, if not the greatest uh, team captain, definitely of all times. I, I grew up a Yankee fan. My father played the little minor league ball as a kid, and, and you know, when I was a little kid and stuff, and uh, you know, he loved baseball, and I kind of like always was around the game and stuff, and grew up, lo- you know, loving Derek Jeter's uh, game and, and the way he played and the way he carried himself. A uh, very classy individual, and the, you know, the stuff he talked about today at Yankee Stadium uh, was just uh, really touching and moving. Uh, you know, again, very selfless and humble guy, especially for a legend. And to know that he's already going to retire, it's crazy because he looks so young. I mean, he's he looks younger than me, and I'm 36, and he's a couple years older than me. So that that kind of like you know bugged me a little bit. I was like, man, if Derek Jeter is about to retire, and only five years ago I started this broadcasting career, what am I doing? I, I started really, really late. Ain't that right, Pete? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for agreeing. But check this out. I have a little audio clip. Uh, this is uh, Derek Jeter's farewell speech at Yankee Stadium today. Really touching stuff. Listen, to ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the microphone number two, Derek. Thank you. It's uh, it's kind of hard to believe that 20 seasons has gone by so quickly. Uh, you know, there's there's so many people I want to thank, and I'll get that opportunity to do that over the next few weeks, both publicly and privately. But I want to take a brief moment to thank the, the Steinbrenner family and Mr. George Steinbrenner uh, for giving me the opportunity to play my entire career for the only organization that I've ever wanted to play for. Uh, I want to thank my family and friends who are all over. Uh, thanks for all the love and support throughout the years, you know, through the good times. More importantly, through the tough times. So thank you very much. My uh, managers, coaches, trainers, teammates, both current and former, I've been blessed to play with the best. And uh, I wouldn't want to compete without any of you guys. So thank you very much. And lastly, most importantly, I want to thank you, the fans. You know, every, everyone that's here today, anyone that's at home watching, anyone that's ever been here over the course or watched during the last 20 seasons, thank you very much. Uh, you, you guys have all watched me grow up. Over the last 20 years, I watched you too. Some of you guys getting old too. <laughs> but I want to thank you for, for helping me feel like a kid for the last 20 years. In my opinion, I've had the greatest job in the world. I got a chance to be the shortstop of the New York Yankees. And there's only one of those. 
And I always felt as though that my job was to try to provide joy and entertainment for you guys, but it can't compare to what you brought me. So for that, thank you very much. You know, I, I've loved what I've done. I love what I do. More importantly, I've loved doing it for you. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. And there it is, Derek Jeter. Respect, man. One of the greatest ever in the major leagues. Uh, arguably, uh, like I said, one of the greatest uh, Yankee players of all times, one of the greatest players of all times. Uh, probably their best shortstop they ever had. I mean, they've had a lot of great shortstops, don't get me wrong. But uh, those were the last words of Derek Jeter's brief speech. Only a three-minute uh, three plus speech, uh, which uh, was very fitting. I mean, he was a very humble guy, always very quiet and to keep it, you know, nice and short. That's kind of like Derek Jeter right there. Nice, you know, humble, quiet guy. And uh, he's going to be missed. There's not a lot of uh, players like Derek Jeter. And uh, it's funny, they had Michael Jordan out of this thing, and it was very appropriate to have Michael Jordan, you know, the greatest basketball player ever, who was uh, good friends with uh, Jeter. In fact, uh, there's the whole campaign with Derek Jeter, the whole respect campaign, which is really cool. And uh, that's all being led by Nike and by uh, by Jordan. Uh, but Michael Jordan, so that's uh, really cool stuff. So, guys, uh, uh, I don't know if you're a Derek Jeter fan, but, uh, you know, if you're a baseball fan, if you're a Yankee fan, it's a sad day in sports. It's another one uh, another, one of, another one of the greats is retiring, so let's see who let's see who the Yankees get to replace Derek Jeter. You know, down here in Florida, we've had a, a hard time replacing Dan Marino. You know, he, he was the last great quarterback. And we're like, what, 18 years in, and we still haven't replaced that sucker? I mean, Derek Jeter's going to be that tough to replace. Really, really tough. Uh, we're going to go on a quick break now in a couple minutes. Uh, before we do, though, I want to tell again everybody, you know, stick around. We're going to have a great show for you. Uh, we have Tim Brannon uh, online and uh, a whole bunch of other guests. We're going to name them off as we uh, come on to the show. There's a lot of folks that are going to join us, and a lot of uh, really cool names are going to be dropped tonight. Um, you know, dealing with uh, maybe bands that you guys definitely know about and heard of and some, uh, you know, some stories are going to be told. They're going to be really, really fun and exciting. Uh, it's going to be a great show. Tim will be on with us, and Thad, and Thad will be on with us in a, in a couple minutes. So stick around. This is Inside the Jackal's Head, and this is PSN Radio. Also, SoFlo Radio. Can't forget George's uh, station there. He'll kill me. And uh, real quick, I'm also going to play another track sent in by Tim. Uh, this is going to be the song Taxman, which actually is a great song for, like, an intro for a show like this, I'm gonna, I might I'm have to uh, talk to Tim about maybe doing something with this song because I love this track. I really do. Check it out. This is Taxman from Tim Branham. We'll be back, everybody. Stick around.
team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. So, Jacqueline. Yes, Mom? I wanted to talk to you about something and... Oh, wait. Hold on. I just got a text. Oh, there's another one. Wow. Busy, busy me. So, anyway... Oh, wait, Mom. I just got a message. My friends keep commenting on my comment. Oh, there's another one. So many comments on my comment. Oh, I can't wait to watch TV tonight. Playoffs! Hey, guys, check out my new video game. Wait, wait. Mom, what? What? What'd you say? Wait a second, what? This weekend, unplug. Take your family to the forest. There's nothing in the world like experiencing nature firsthand. Trees, paths, bluebirds, streams. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man of steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me, and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes. That George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban feller. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate. everybody we're back on inside the jackal's head and that of course is the return music there is taxman by tim Brenham. uh once again i love that track and we're gonna find out where he got that cover from because that song is really really cool uh we're gonna have open lines but check this out everybody because we're gonna have a packed packed skype here so uh bear with me if, you, if anybody wants to get in on the uh, skype and wants to join the call and ask any questions i will have open lines uh but we're going to do one call at a time. So if I get bombarded with calls and I don't get to your calls right away, just calm down, give us a couple minutes and call back. Make sure you're actively listening to the show also so you know if we have somebody on air not to just call in and, you know, start asking or try to get on when there's another caller on. Uh, so, you know, if you guys, again, want to call in, we are going to have open lines. But now I'm going to bring everybody into the phone call here, and I'm going to introduce them all one by name, uh, one by one. First, we're going to have, of course, uh, the main guest of the evening, Mr. Tim Branham. Mr. Welcome Jackal. to Inside the Jackals. Nice How are you doing, you. sir? Nice to meet me. Nice to meet you, too, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Thad Bird is also on the line with us. Thad? Hey, how's it going? Nice to talk to you again. It's a, always a pleasure to talk to you, man. It's been way too long. Uh, we also yeah. have Mr. Jim Fox on the line with us. Yeah, right. hi. Hi, Jim. <laughs> Dutch is on the line with us also. Hey, how y'all doing? And, uh, of course, uh, let's see, Dutch, uh, uh, I'm not going to say your last name because I'm probably going to butcher it, and I'm known for doing that, so give us your last name because I always butcher last names. Dutch? Uh, Dutch Bahari. There we go. See, I would not have gone even anywhere close to that. I would just, I would have butchered that. Mike Bentley, I can get that one right. Mike Bentley is also on the line with us, and Gwen Miller. Say hi, everybody. Hi, Angel. Angel. Packed house. We have we have six people on the line. Uh, a lot to get to. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys all individual questions, uh, but this is uh, really exciting. I love the video. I want to get this off the bat. Uh, the Thank video you. enemy. This is an awesome video. It has Nosferatu in it, uh, which Nosferatu was played by who, Mister James Fox. James Fox. Mister Jim, Jim Fox, Fox, right here on the line. I was waiting for him to say yeah. me, but Jim. <laughs> Well, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to say. Yeah, it's me. He plays Nosferatu <laughs> in this thing. It's an awesome video. The song is called Enemy. Uh, how'd you guys come up with the concept for this video? Um, I, I I got my start directing music videos, and what I would typically do is I'd just loop the song over and over, and when I'd go running, I would just listen to the song, and whatever imagery came to mind, that's what the music video would be. And for some reason, when I heard Enemy, I just started thinking about Nosferatu. 
huge fan of Nosferatu, and um, you know, when I pitched when I pitched it to Tim, I said, "Hey Tim, you know, let's recreate scenes from Nosferatu." He said, "Great." I thought it'd be all fun and easy, but man, we we really, really, it was it was a hard music video to make. It doesn't was, look. I don't, <laughs> it doesn't look like it was easy. It looks like you guys did a lot of work on this thing, a lot of makeup, uh, prosthetics. So I mean, this is a good production. Yeah, and I, and I will tell you, I've never told anyone this. I don't know if I've even told Tim this, but the day, um, the way we shot it is, Tim came up, flew up from L.A. We shot it in Seattle, and we shot Tim's stuff first. And that was relatively easy, and you know, everything went perfectly. And then I had to build sets, we had to cast actors, we had to get costuming. Um, Dutch did the makeup, did a superb job uh, for the vampire. And there were so many other elements that, that came to, you know, that had to come together that by the time we were shooting the actual vampire stuff, I, I regretted um, telling Tim, hey, let's do this Nosferatu thing. Because I felt like I was on this speeding freight train that was about to go off a cliff and I couldn't get off. And the day when I showed up to the set, I honestly didn't want to shoot it, but I was, I was like, there's nothing I could do, and because I was like so scared, like, oh my gosh, we spent all this money doing this. What if, what if it doesn't work out? And you know, it was. I've never felt so insecure at that day because there was so much at stake. So it was a little bit scary for me, I think. <laughs> so. It came out. It came out great, though. It really is an awesome looking video. And uh, Tim here, great vocals, man. I love the song. I mean, I, I love uh, your voice is awesome, and you really uh, uh, have a, a great style, which is a kind of a throwback. I was saying earlier, I don't know if you guys were listening, but um, I'm a big fan of old '80s rock, and it kind of reminded me of like old '80s rock, which I love. Uh, is that what you're going with with your music? Because I mean, that's really what it comes off as. Uh, well, you know, it's really funny. I have no idea what you know, what the listener thinks, but what I thought was completely different. I mean, I wrote it on an acoustic guitar, but it was just, yeah, I changed my style and I just wanted, I said, this is the first song of the new style. I just try something different, you know, but, uh, but no, really, I mean, I, you know, I'm from Seattle and in Seattle, everybody loves Hart and Jimi Hendrix. And then, you know, as time goes on, you, you know, you get into Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and, right. you know, and then you develop your own style. But, you know, like today, I like Lincoln Park, Foo Fighters, bands like that. But, but I really don't know. I mean, it's just a combination of all those bands. I would think. Just being everybody, from Seattle, and that's what. Yeah, being from Seattle helps also. Seattle's a great music scene, and really, like you mentioned, all the great names that came out of Seattle. I have a bunch of friends out of Seattle, musicians also, and it's a great music scene, especially for rock out there. Yeah, I noticed the the competition makes you try harder, and it's a smaller yeah. place, and 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 you know you know what your buddies do, and you know who's who's the better guitar player, the better singer. It kind of makes you, you know, step it up, you know, and all your friends are a little bit above you, so you try a little bit harder, I think. You know, I'm here in L.A. now, and you're just, it's just there's a lot of people here, but in Seattle, you kind of knew everybody. Yeah, it's a different community. Now, the song Taxman, which I was playing here, which I was joking around that I wanted to uh, maybe use this as an intro one day, because this is a great track. It's it's actually a cover, and uh, tell us where you got the, uh, the uh, instrumental for this or the music for this. Well, uh, you know, I always like Cheap Trick, and, and that's off the first album, which is from mm -hmm. 1975, but it's kind of tame sounding, just kind of straight, and and I just heard something from that track. I said, wow, I can I can do something with that, and I just, you know, Sampled and it. Nice. Uh, yeah, I just completely changed it, changed up the tempo, and, and kind of made it my own style, and, and uh, the drummer on there, his name is Chris Ross, but I played everything else just that way I would the idea in my head would become a reality. 
<laughs> you know, it's a great yeah. track. I, I love that song. Uh, you know, your Wikipedia says that uh, you're best known as uh, producing a demo for Alice in Chains, uh, which is actually one of the one of the bands that I liked from the '80s. You know, funny enough that you guys are we were involved with them, uh, were involved with that band. And that's actually one of the few rock bands that I really liked as as a kid growing up in the '80s. But uh, you know, how did you get involved with Alice in Chains? Well, yeah. I guess if you had to simplify it, that's one way of just putting it. But basically, it was Lane Staley's earlier band, which was uh-huh. called Alice in Chains, right before they broke up. Right. But uh, I was in high school, and my brother introduced me to a band called Sleaze, and uh, I started working with those guys, and Lane was in the band. And then they asked me to produce their, their demo, and so I really took over for about three months. And you know, it was a big, big thing for all of us. And it came out really good, but it's still unreleased. Those three songs that we did, and I sang on, they used my guitar and everything. It was kind of funny how everybody was so young. I, I was 21, and they were a couple of years younger, all the way down to 16 years old. And then later on, you know, that band broke up, and then I ended up playing in a band with Mike Starr, and then Jerry Cantrell for about a month or so, and then then that all split up, and then the next band was Alice in Chains. So it was kind of weird that we all had lived, played together, and, right. you know, and worked together. That's cool. That's very, very cool. Uh, Thad, tell us about uh, Father Rock. Uh, how did you, uh, you got uh, Lynn Stanley's band, or how did you get them involved? Well, you know, like I was alluding to earlier, you know, where I almost regretted doing Enemy, uh, I, I should probably, I, I should have prefaced that by saying I've never been more satisfied in the production. Um, you know, than enemy, but I, I tend to do really big, outrageous productions that are like almost impossible to do because I have this, this theory that if you, if you're not like pushing yourself then you're going to make something that's not any good. So I wanted to shoot, I wanted to have a band inside a church and have all these rock extras and father rock was a feature length film. had like 50 people in the cast, probably, you know, over a hundred extras, you know, here and there. And, um, I was looking for a band and a guy named James Bergstrom that, that Tim and I both know. He was in the band uh, Sleaze with Lane Staley and then uh, Nick. What's Nick's last name, Tim? I can't remember. Pollock, who's in Pollock. My Sister's Machine. Pollock, yeah. Nick Pollock was later in My Sister's Machine, killer band from you know, Seattle. He told me they were the biggest hair metal band in Seattle, and so I, I had to cast them. And so basically that's, a, that's how easy it was. And we, we shot the, um, the scene in an actual church, and they brought out their extras. And... Uh, yeah, it, it, it worked out pretty well. It was kind of cool. Lane had a couple speaking roles in, in Father Rock. And, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, I, that kind of shows up on YouTube. And what's kind of funny is uh, people post it thinking it's Lane singing. But right. I actually preferred uh, the tracks that Tim, that Tim wrote. And so I re-edited it in a way that it looked like um, Lane was singing to, uh, to Tim's songs. So a lot of people don't know that, so I'm kind of revealing Yeah, I, I always see these comments. They always say, oh, wow, I didn't know Lane sang like that. And actually, <laughs> I did work with Lane for, for months. <laughs> I, I, I actually got him to scream because I, I used to go to a singing teacher named David Kyle, and so Lane would come over to my house, and we'd work on vocals every single day so that when we went in the studio, we wouldn't waste money because it was about $85 an hour, which was quite a bit of money in 1986, and especially mm-hmm. when we all make $4 an hour or, or zero. But, but anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, but, but yeah, Lane didn't really, he was kind of shy back then, and he would just kind of scream, and then I just kind of got him to, to realize about notes, you know, actual notes, and thinking about scales, and, you know, hey, you know, what are you singing? Don't just scream. You know, what is the note? What are you singing? You know, and it got him into harmonies and things like that. 
Yeah, and I, I should point out that Mike Bentley, who's on the line, uh, was the producer of Father Rock, and so we worked closely together on that. So he may have a, a thing or two to say about it. I don't know if he remembers anything, though. Any memories, Mike? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> didn't remember anything. It's long, long, so long ago. <laughs> uh, now, you were the producer. You know, I, what are your yeah, most fondest sure. memories um, of being a producer? I, I was working at Sherwood High School, and Thad and James and Tim, I think, they all went to Shorewood High School. So yeah, yeah high we school all went to Shorewood. Here. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I look yeah. at it as we got them. And, you know, uh, we needed a house band, and, and we got those guys because they were in the high school. The, the big, well, they were the biggest hair metal band in Seattle. That was, that was their selling point. That's awesome. Yeah, Lane went to Meadowdale uh, High School, and then I think he might have dropped out, but he was still hanging around, you know, the Shorewood high school yeah. area yeah and, and all yeah. the rest of the band went there so now yep. uh jim uh tell us uh, about the first time that you met thad what was the very first time that you met him uh well I... okay go yeah, ahead he'll have to tell you the very first time but i mean we went to the same high school so so i well, actually the, I, I'll, I'll tell you the first time i became aware of tim was at a talent show it was an assembly in high school I was like a freshman. I think Tim was, was a junior and no one really knew Tim could play guitar and he comes out with this Gibson flying V and starts playing eruption. And I remember everyone's jaws drop. It's like, because back in the day, you never saw a 16 year old kid who could play guitar like that. Now you go on the internet, everyone plays like that, but it was, it was amazing. And I, so I looked at Tim as kind of like this God. And, and I remember one time <laughs> my sister was driving us to school and we almost ran Tim Branham over in the road because he was like air guitaring as he was crossing the road, not even paying attention where he was going. And I thought, wow, that's why he's so good. He plays everywhere. <laughs> and I, awesome. I think actually, though, I think uh, James Bergstrom introduced us, uh, Tim, because I was looking for music for Father Rock and I needed someone to play a role and he ended up playing a role. And uh, so I think, yeah, I think Tim was the one, or uh, James was the one who introduced us. That was that's probably, awesome. gosh, that was a while, that was a while ago. I can't remember. <laughs> oh, okay. So we already, okay, that's that's right. Well, we took those three songs that we had worked with, the, the earlier version of Alice in Chains, and put them in your movie. And then, we, and then yeah, and then James and everybody was in the movie with me, too. It's an interesting movie. You should, somebody should release that movie. <laughs> some well, I, I can <laughs> tell you that the song... The song of Ellis and Chains that, that or Sleeves that I replaced with Tim's song was called Fat Girls. Their mouths, their motors. So, you know, that's how it went. And so, I mean, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of where they were back in the day. How, how, how long did it take you uh, to apply all that makeup in the video, too, uh, Jim? In, in the what? What's that now? How long did it take to apply oh. the makeup that you used in the video? Oh, that's probably a question for Jim. Or yeah, Dutch. Jim. Or, or Dutch. Well, both of you guys, uh, you're both involved in the process, so. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, I think, uh, I want to say it took about two hours, uh, maybe just right around two hours, because I, I, I vaguely remember uh, Thad saying, how much time do you need, and, and I said, oh, I think I got this in about an hour and a half, and you know how makeup is, you, you never get it <laughs> done in the amount of time you think you need to get it done in. And um, you know, we, we we had a, we had a few things that we ran into during the makeup process that we had to overcome that 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 added a little bit more time to it. Um, those things just tend to happen, but uh, you know, I think it was right around two hours. 
Wow, that's cool. That's a, that, it looks really, really well done. Uh, and so you guys have all known each other since high school. That's crazy. You're still working together all these many years later. That's uh, that's really, really cool. Well, I can say that. Oh, I was just going to say that, that the song enemy wasn't even uh, a first choice. I had a bunch of songs, and Thad just heard a demo, an unfinished demo of it. It wasn't it's nothing it's like very the catchy. final one. No, but the song Thanks. is very well, catchy. It is. It's well, a really Thad, good song. Thad liked the song, so I finished it and then worked on it and added all kinds of different parts and, and re-recorded things and, and made it completely different than this little demo that I had had just in my back pocket for a while. You know, So he, Thad actually made it happen. That I had other songs that I thought were the one you know, the one, but Thad chose Enemy, so that's that's why it happened. Tim, yeah, it, what, what, it, oh, go ahead. I was I was just gonna yeah. say it, it. It was. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. There's. A, I guess there might be a delay or something. Go ahead. Oh no! Someone yeah. had, had. It sounded like someone said my name, but I was gonna say that uh, Thad and I didn't go to high school together. Um, we actually met because I just graduated. To the um, University of Washington Extension Program in Film and Video, and someone had hooked me up to be his art director for a <clears throat> music video called Helicoptering by National Crawfish Tongue. And I ended up kind of being a co-producer at the time, and we've been kind of creative partners on different things ever since then, and that's been 20 years now. Actually, I wow. was going to I was gonna get to, uh, to you uh, in a second, because you have also a very interesting... Uh, bio here. Uh, you've worked with uh, see, see, you were acquainted with the band Quinsreich, is that right? That's right. And uh, I, you became, um, Were you their assistant uh, tour manager? Is that what you were? How'd you become an assistant, assistant tour, tour manager? Yeah. Well, what happened is I met Missy, I was taking a class at a naturopath and I met Missy uh-huh. and we were just talking about different things we do and I was talking about working in films and she said, oh, if you ever need any music for films, please let me know. That's my husband's um, dream is to really compose music for films. And I said, oh, you know, you keep talking about your husband being in a band, but uh, you never said what band it is. <laughs> and she's like, oh, he's Scott Rockenfield, the drummer for Queen's Queensryche. And I was like, oh, and, you know, I had to put oh, my job off, off the oh. floor. You know? <laughs> like, oh, just that small band, Queensryche. And um, she was really lovely. And sure enough, Sad and I decided to, uh, we were working on a, um, one of those short films for uh-huh. the Spielberg uh, movie on the, or the Spielberg show on the lot. And immediately when we thought of music, I said, well, let me give Scott a call and see if he'll do it. And he did. And it was an awesome soundtrack for a five minute short that um, he worked on with us. And then uh, a few years later in 2010, they were going on tour and ended up that they needed a costumer. And I came on and was helping sweaty girls get out of little costumes and then um, All right. <laughs> it would have been a great job for a guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, what can I, I apply? And so what happened is there was an incident in San Diego. We were playing a small venue, and I was looking for chairs for the um, whole cast to be able to sit on in the back. And I had to keep going to security guard to security guard going, uh, can I get some chairs? And they're like, I can't leave my post. I'm like, I don't care. Just send me to somebody, you know, I can get chairs from. And then they kept sending me over and over. And I got to the head of security. Oh, sure, I'll help you out. But I met every security guard as I was doing that. And just before the show was about to begin, they, um, there was a lot of, there was another entrance to the back. And here are these, um, different performers were getting changed and some of them quite, you know, not, not a lot of um, clothing on them. And some people were breaking into the back 
not breaking in, but just opening and walking right in on the performers, and they wouldn't leave. And so Fozzie, who is the tour manager, um, had to go in there and actually forcibly remove them. And he was getting mad because no one was over there watching that door. And he says, I'm going to, I'm going to stop the show. It's not going on. And so I was kind of going, what's going on? What's going on? They told me. And since I'd met every security guard, I went back to them and I said, can you please send somebody over there to watch these doors and make sure nobody gets back there? And, um, and they're like, yeah, they started leaving. And I, I got Fozzie's attention. I said, don't worry. It's being taken care of. And right then, it's just like this huge weight lifted off his back. And after that show, he said, you know, I'm going to talk to Jeff about having you be an assistant tour manager when we go on the real tour. And although that never worked out because of some political things that were going on, um, I did do assistant work through the rest of the cabaret tour. Oh, wow. That's incredible. And they were all really nice to me. I just want to say that all of them were really nice to me. They're really nice down-to-earth, wonderful people. I just really love those guys. That's awesome. They're, they're one of the best bands so from the 80s. I mean, the Queen's Rec was awesome. Can I just say one of my best experiences ever was composing the music with Scott in his studio where Queen's Rec actually rehearses. That was nice. really super, super cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was Scott great. Rockenfeld, yeah, he's awesome. Shut yeah, yeah, he's yes. great person. Now, uh, now let me um, ask uh, Dutch here a question because I actually wanted to, to jump into this question. This is uh, really interesting. Uh, you are currently the most talked about cons- uh, contestant on Skin Wars and have been featured on the uh, covers of Star Magazine. Uh, now, of course, on their Us and In Focus uh, section, but uh, how did you become involved with uh, with that show? Uh, well, they actually sought me out. Um, I'm, I'm pretty... Uh, pretty well known in the industry, and when uh-huh. they were scouting for contestants for the program, my name just kept coming up. So uh, they kept calling me, and and uh, I actually had other things going on. I, I I was actually supposed to be on Naked Vegas, which is another body painting related show, uh, and so I was kind of torn between the two programs. And I decided to ultimately to go with Skin Wars uh, because it was more. Uh, they were telling me it was more about the art and and less about you know the there are the reality and, and so forth and so on. And, uh, so that's why I decided to go with them. And, uh, yeah, so, but you know, it's, it's still reality TV. So, right. you know, that is what it is. So <laughs> now what, what exactly, uh, you know, makes you so controversial though? Like, I don't think well, you feel like you're misunderstood on the show, right? You feel like you've been misunderstood a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, like I said, it's reality TV, so it's there for entertainment purposes. And um, they, uh, I come off uh, uh, as a bit of a villain you know, on the show. Um, ah. And, and I heel. think that's just... <laughs> I'm sorry? You're like the heel on the show. Yeah. That's, a, uh, that's well, a wrestling term. They sort of cast me as the guy to beat. Um, and so uh, th- there were times where they sort of held me to uh, a bit of a different standard than the rest of the contestants. Um, and, and so it, it put me in a situation where, because I'm, I'm a teacher by nature, so I'm, my, my, my demeanor in real life is, is very uh, magnanimous and giving and sharing. And, uh, and around the world, uh, I have you know, students that have taken classes from me and other peers and artists that I've met I would say, oh, my gosh, that's just the sweetest guy in the world. He'd give you the shirt off his back and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but here on this show, just through the, the way that, uh, you know, the clips are are aired, uh, I come off very cocky and 
uh, overconfident and, and arrogant at times. And, uh, and, you know, and I'm sure that's by design. Uh, I look the part. I'm, 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 I've got a rather large build and I've got this crazy heat miser hairdo. Crazy hairdo? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> It's just, hey, I'm, know, just, I'm just I, envious because I'm bald. I have no hair, so I wish I had that kind of hair. <laughs> yeah. I'll take well, our own chair right now, folks. I'll take our own chair. Villain, I think. <laughs> Actually, well, you know, it's, I, it's funny. If you put orange hair, look, if you put orange hair on me, you, you and me are like practically twins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, it's, it's been a great experience. Um, at first, I was a bit hurt um, because it was all a bit of a surprise to me when I saw the first episode. But now I'm just kind of rolling with it. Um, you know, on on social media sites, you know, I just basically say, hey, you know, lovers love, haters hate, and you know, intelligent people know the truth. And you know, if you don't know that it's a TV show for you know that that's been you know pieced together for mm-hmm. you know the, the 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 point, the purpose of entertainment, then you know, if you're if you're just gonna hate, then then hey, that's that's on you. So uh, I'm just smiling now. I'm just kind of enjoying the ride, and and it, it was a lot of fun. It was a real experience. Now you also do body work uh, for the, for the famous Sea Hulk, is that right? And how did how'd that come about? Uh, well, once again, uh, he just sort of uh, discovered me. Uh, he had been trying to paint himself for years uh, and establish himself as one of the Seattle super fans, um, but he wasn't getting much attention. So he decided that he was going to, you know, stop using uh, Cryolan spray paint and and every other thing <laughs> he could use to get himself green. Uh, and hire a professional body artist, and uh, I did a lot of uh, specific contouring and shading on his already large physique, uh, just to you know embellish it and, and uh, make it pop and, and look you know more surreal. And uh, right yeah, after the very he, first, yeah, I don't, I don't I think those him. are all. I didn't think that was all really like his muscles. I, that definitely was <laughs> some shading going on in there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's a bodybuilder. Uh, he's he's. I think he's in his fifties now, late fifties, and uh, uh-huh. you know, but. He's a bit of a tank, though. He doesn't have that degree of definition. As, as, right. uh, as stuff, you know, uh, all of the abs and all that stuff is all sprayed on. All of the definition through his chest and his back—that's all sprayed on. Um, you know, so it's just a—it's a technique that I use. And plus, uh, I have a background in anatomy and physiology, so you know, I know where the muscles go. And when I was a kid, I illustrated comic books as well, so I've got a, hmm. a pretty firm grasp on super anatomy. So right. I, I just take what he's got and just just blow it up and, and exaggerate it. And uh, it's gotten him uh, quite a bit of attention. He was on the uh, the Campbell's Soup commercial with Richard Sherman. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been on ESPN and Good Morning America, cool. Evening Magazine. Um, so you know, he's getting a lot of attention for for this body paint now. So yeah, no kidding. And they even uh, raised. I was going to say uh, they even raised money to send Dutch out to paint him for the Super Bowl. Oh no, kidding! That's oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> How did that? How did yeah. that? How did that start? I mean, who started that campaign to raise money? Uh, my wife actually dreamt that one up. She did a Kickstarter, and uh, we just said, Love "Hey, we gotta we gotta represent during the Super Bowl," and and uh, it all panned out. Go Hawks! Go do that. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? You know, uh, win it again this year uh, coming up? Yes. You know what? <laughs> I, I think you'd be a fool not to never ask. Right. Never ask somebody from Seattle if they're going to win those, the Super Bowl because you're always going to get <laughs> hell yeah we're going to win the Super Bowl. All my friends, here. all my friends out in Seattle were uh, bragging like crazy. Like when was the last time the Dolphins went? Ha 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 ha! <laughs> <You just won. laughs> 
Guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. Uh, we've got to hit break again here. Uh, we're going to be back in a couple of minutes, and we're going to have a couple other surprise guests on the line. Uh, at least one more going to be uh, joining us uh, on the call here. Uh, stick around. This is Inside the Jackal's Head, and we're going to go to break with a little bit more of Tim Branham's Enemy. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Okay. co-hosts Lauren DePinto and Bruce Pearson for our new expanded edition of Unknown Origins Radio as each week we talk to the biggest names and newsmakers in the world of the paranormal. Fun, informative and sometimes controversial, Unknown Origins Radio brings you the topics that you want to know about. So join us in our new time slot every Thursday evening from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Broadcast radio production, sound design, sound design, audio, talk shows, commercials, trailers, trailers, voiceovers, webcasting, engineering, music, music, music. Learn how for a lot less than ten thousand dollars. Send a text to nine five four eight zero three nine seven one seven. That's nine five four eight zero three ninety seven seventeen. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book. Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Green light. Hey girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Talk Stream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Live on Inside the Jackal's Head right here on PSN Radio and, of course, SoFlo Radio. Packed house tonight, packed show, and a, a very exciting show. That song right there, of course, is Enemy by Tim Branham. And uh, just an awesome uh, song. I love this video. I really, really do. I've been playing it uh, probably uh, more than I've seen uh, just about any movie that came out this year. It's a great, great track. It's a great video. And it's going to be featured on InsideTheJackalsHead.com uh, for the indefinite future, maybe for at least a, eh, maybe for a couple of months. Right, Petey? A couple months at least? Yeah, at least for a couple of months we're going to have it on there. So if you guys uh, can't find it on the Internet anywhere, you can always go to my website, Inside the Jackal's Head, and you'll be able to view it right there on the front page. Also, open lines. Anybody who wants to call in and ask any questions, there is going to be a little bit of a giveaway in a couple minutes we're going to talk about here. So if you guys call in, you'll be able to take part of that giveaway. Uh, we're going to go on now for the next 30 minutes of uninterrupted conversation. Welcome back, everybody uh, who was on the uh, Skype here with me a few minutes ago. Mike, Dutch, Sad, Tim, Jim, Gwen, and now we're joined by Jason Rennick. Welcome, Jason. Hey, Jason. Hey. How's it going, guys? Jason. Welcome, hey, welcome Jason. to the show, Jason. How are you doing, sir? Oh, thanks. It's great. Thanks for having me. No, pleasure's all ours. Uh, 
It is an awesome, uh, an awesome show, man. It's an awesome episode. I, I love uh, this uh, this song, Enemy. I love the track. It's like I'm an, I'm an old school like horror movie fan. Also, the whole Nasferatu thing really like is right up my alley. I love the the whole video itself, the way it was do it was done. But you were on set as the uh, on set photographer for the production of this of these uh, this video. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and how you you know got involved in in your work uh, doing uh, during the uh, video itself, the production of it? Yeah, uh, well, Thad was actually friends with my brother, and uh, my brother kind of told him I was a great photographer and had me come out, and uh, I was still learning at the time, but uh, yeah, it was it was so much fun. I learned so much. Thad is amazing with lighting, the way that guy works and gets every last detail lit perfectly just blew me away, and it really affected the way I approached photography from that day on. That's awesome. Can I say, can I say something, Angel? So, so when everyone says, hey, my brother's a photographer, you should check him out and have him on your set, you always go, yeah, sure. So I just <laughs> like, okay, whatever. So, so Jason shows up and literally does the best on-set photography anyone's ever done for me. In fact, all the, uh, all the um, images of Nosferatu, that, that's all Jason. And oh, cool. he, he works really well with my style of lighting, what, what he does. And so um, Jason and I have become really good friends, and I was just so thrilled that his brother introduced us. So that almost never happens, I can tell you. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, normally when somebody brings their kid brother, you're like, yeah, yeah, you're just trying to get him a gig. <laughs> get him out of here. No, that's, uh, that's awesome. And the, the photography is really, really cool on this thing. Now, I understand also you guys are going to have a giveaway here. You're going to give away a hard copy of the ebook depicting the production of Enemy, signed by Mr. Tim Branham himself, Thad Bird, and, of course, the actor playing Nasferatu himself. That is correct. Is that true? Oh, tell us about that. Yes, that is correct. Yes, absolutely. I'm also going to throw in a bonus signed piece of art for myself in there, oh, and cool. uh, I guess we're going to throw in some, some songs, too, it sounds like. Yeah, very cool. So, guys, if you want to call in and uh, take part of that and be part of the giveaway, please do so. Uh, call the number is 786-245-8127, and you can also reach us on Skype by looking up PSN Radio, and uh, you can jump right in and take part of the giveaway. This is really cool. And uh, Now, I, you know, this is the first gig for you, right, uh, as a set photographer for uh, for a music video, Jason? Uh, basically, yeah, yeah. Up until then, I'd just been kind of working with the model every month or two, just trying to learn things and develop my style, and, and that helped me so much. Things have just been on a spiral ever since then. That's cool. Now, I heard that you thought the main actor, Kevin Sheen, had been out uh, all night partying. <laughs> I was, Man, I was yeah, told about makeup, that. Why was artist- that? <laughs> the makeup artist is so good. Like, I didn't realize that she was, like, giving him this effect like he'd been drained by a vampire. Like, holy crap, this guy's an actor, all right? Been partying all night. Yeah. <laughs> he, lo- he looked beat up, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he-, he looked like he'd been partying all night. But, man, she was fantastic. It looked so realistic, even off camera. That's awesome. <laughs> and Dutch. And, oh, my God, Dutch is, is amazing. I-, I was blown away with, with the job he did on, uh, on the Nostradamus. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the uh, like I said, the prosthetics work on this thing is uh, really, really impressive. Uh, tell us about your company also, uh, Devilish, and, uh, uh, you know, what do you do uh, at the Baltic Room in Seattle? Yeah, I'm at the Baltic Room every Sunday night. I kind of run a, almost like a now, photo. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm here now. I just got all set up. They're just about to open the doors. And, uh, cool. yeah, I run like a live-action photo booth kind of thing. It's not like a... Like you think of a photo booth, I set up my studio lights in the corner of the booth and help people pose and work the lighting and give them really fantastic pictures. And it's taken off quite a bit here. It's very rare that I actually meet somebody like, oh, 
I've seen your pictures. It's, it's really cool. And people just come decked out because I'm here taking pictures. Aside from the, the ongoing themes that we have here, we always have a theme every Sunday night to try to get people involved. And it's kind of a rotating theme, like the second Sunday. Um, this really great burlesque performer puts on a Seven Deadly Sin series where every Sunday we celebrate a different sin. And uh, we have a new night nice. now. It's, a, it's a, a fetish night on the third Sunday, so we're kind of exploring a different fetish every every Sunday night. So it's, uh, nice. it's a lot of fun. People come decked out into a really great crowd. And uh, we have burlesque performances. One Sunday a month we have live bands. And tonight we're actually doing a tribute to a bar that closed down a year ago. That's cool, man. It's yeah, it's fantastic. Now, um, let me see. I got a question here that I have to get to. Dutch, I understand there was a bit of a challenge to work with the bald cap. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Oh yeah, well, um, bald cap. Because <laughs> no, I'm bald, you don't need no cap on here, man. You should. <laughs> they still use bald caps. That's amazing to me. Yeah, well, no, it's it's a, it's a staple in in effects. Uh, most art, uh, you know, any makeup artist worth their salt, you know, should be able to throw on a bald cap and and do a pretty convincing job. Uh, and I I use uh, a specific brand um, that I you know come to trust and 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 they typically do you know a, a good quality job in, in the manufacturing of these things. Uh, at least that had been my experience up until I got the one that I had to use <laughs> on on our Nosferatu character. Um, it was uh, it was it was much much thicker than it was supposed to be, and so uh, blending it away was uh, was was hard. It, it, I mean, it, it took me. That's where the extra half hour came in on the makeup process was just trying to get the bloody bald cap on um, and and blend it away so that you didn't see it. Yeah, I mean that should just be a wham bam, you know, process for for most makeup artists, and it was right. it was it was killing me. And and we didn't have a backup. There was we, you know there was no you know just shy of shaving his head. There was nothing else we could do, so I had to make it work. So, um, but you know you, I think, you run into stuff like that in makeup. So it just you know you true. you roll with it, you make it work. You know. Yeah. I I think Jim actually didn't didn't Jim actually offer to shave his head. One no, I mentioned I that actually role, asked him I, when, he, when we were fitting him for the years, when we were pouring the alginate on the side of his head to get the impressions for me to sculpt those Nosferatu ears from, that's when I suggested because his head, you know, was, was he has a gorgeous skull. And I'm like, man, you just need to shave that hair off, you know, hair <laughs> off, and, and we'll, just, we'll just put the makeup directly on your skin. But he was just like, ah, I don't know about that. And so, Come on, Jim. You're supposed to be a method actor here, man. <laughs> I, I guess I was opposed to that. I don't. I don't really re- remember that. I guess, but um, I, I wish I would have been to make made production go along better and all that. I, I thought that I'd suggested that to Thad a couple of days before that, but maybe he not. might have. Yeah, I, I. I. The hardest thing about this, is but I remember. Be- I, I remember he was having a difficult time with that. God damn, this thing keeps coming up behind your ear and everything, and yeah, it was difficult. Well, yeah, it, it's no, hard. Yeah. It's hard when you're the uh, when you're not only the director but you're also the cinematographer. Yeah. Because um, you, when you're doing double duty like that, you kind of get pulled all different ways, and so you know that made the production extra tough, and that that's where I was feeling the stress. But um, you know, it, it all it all worked out beautifully. I mean, I, I'm I'm more. Uh, this is. I, I told Jim when I was done. I told everyone when I was done that I consider this like my masterpiece. But it's like it's almost like you really have to suffer. It seems if you're going to make something really good, 
And uh, I know Tim and I really, really went through it with um, kind of went hell and back, it seems. <laughs> um, and, that, and that's why I think it turned out so well. And, and it's only yeah. because we, we, really, we really put ourselves out there and we really sweated every little detail. And we had people like Dutch and then Jim just, you know, totally tore it up as Nosferatu. Do you see this? Jim, Jim's performance as Nosferatu is, is absolutely first rate. I'm really thrilled with how he did yeah. it. Yeah, it is. Now, are you, are you guys going to get together for another uh, for another video and do some, uh, another video for Tim? I'm done doing music videos. <laughs> <laughs> He's retired. No. Well, once you once you have your masterpieces, might as, you just might as well retire after that, right? No, seriously, I, I'm 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 not even joking. Um, I I don't know after after doing a music video like Enemy, I don't know where else there is to go um, because I, I always feel like I have to top myself. And honestly, this this would be such a hard one to talk because we did we did have a bit of budgetary support, which was nice. You know, I was able to build sets and I was able to do this, but you know, you never have enough money, and you always want to push yeah. it further and further. And so it's it's really hard. It's really, and plus we shot this on film, mm-hmm. and film is quickly disappearing. So I don't know if I would oh, be yeah. able to in that medium again. And I mean, that's the other thing that made this really satisfying to me. Is, is to be able to go kind of because my, my roots are in film and, and to be able to, to shoot that like a real cinematographer you know that was that was such a great experience so looking back I think I have kind of rose colored glasses because you know I'm really glad I did it but man at the time I, I man it was really really hard to do I can imagine I mean uh, it's not easy to top this video, really, isn't it? It, it? it is a great video, but man, it, it would be terrible if you don't do any more music videos. Man, you definitely got a, ta- a talent for it. And I know movies is uh, the thing you really want to get into more. Like, uh, you know, do you have any other movies uh, that you're working on? As a matter of fact, um, I'm, I am executive producer of a horror anthology called Devil's Five. It's, it's right. a feature film that has um, essentially four stories and a wraparound, and it's, it's hardcore horror. And I'm I'm directing and starring in an episode. Uh, Terry, my one of my best friends, Terry Weckham, is also executive producing. He is going to be. In fact, you know Terry because he's going to be on your show. Yep. Um, and he's also part gonna, of Scott. <laughs> I, I'm actually going to be flying out to New York, and I'm going to produce the wraparound in New York. And Terry's going to direct it. And then Terry's Terry's actually directed. Um, the, it's in the can, and they're they're editing right now. The first episode of Devil Five called Stash. And if people are interested, you know, they want to follow the progress, you can go to, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Devils 5, so it's D-E-V-I apostrophe, I'm sorry, D-E-V-I-L apostrophe S-5, F-I-V-E, and you can kind of see updates and stuff. And so that's what's coming down the pike next. Very cool. So yeah, movies that, is definitely, movie production, and, and, uh, and that's the avenue you're definitely going to go into the future, huh? Yeah, definitely. But but if if Tim if Tim Branham calls me up and says, um, "Hey, Pat, let's do another music video," I, I probably would ah. say no to Tim. Yeah. <laughs> I got him to commit for you, Tim. Yeah, and oh, hey, yeah. Should, I'd like to. Tim, should <laughs> we give a shout like out to our editor from, from that video? But we should, yeah, we should be, do a big shout out to the editor Nick Thompson for all that we put him through. Yeah, yeah we, I, heard, we, I heard you guys uh, put this uh, poor kid through uh, torture. To yeah, it, pretty much. <laughs> it, it, was, it was funny because he Nick, Nick, Nick is alive. Really, <laughs> <yeah>. Nick is <laughs> really young. He's, only, he's like 21, but his parents are filmmakers, and he's been editing for 10 years, and he's really, really sharp. And a lot of the effects, that you, the really cool effects that you're going to see in Enemy, that's all Nick. 
and then the uh, the silent movie footage that look that he created for some of the shots. Again, that's Nick, and it it looks fantastic. And yeah. this thing is as tightly edited as anything I've ever done on any kind of budget. And um, yeah, so I just really want to give a shout out to Nick. He really did a phenomenal job. And like Tim was saying, I think we probably drove him crazy <laughs> at the end because we we were very demanding. Because you know, but you can see it when when you see the way this thing is cut. You can see that it was really. Um, someone really took a lot of time and effort and care in, in putting it together. It the editing Tim, room that, that he used is full of holes in the wall that he's punched <laughs> over the last few months. Poor Nick started 21, yeah, and he's like 65 yeah. now because of you guys. <laughs> he's aged, poor Nick, because of you guys. Yeah, yeah he has He's going to Europe, actually. I think he's in Europe right now, maybe. You need a break. <laughs> yeah, you need a vacation from you guys. Oh, man. Yeah. Right. No, but Nick, great job. I mean, he did a really fantastic job on the video. Um, yeah, it's, thanks, Nick. It's, it's a great, great video. Yeah. Um, now, you know, that's uh, that. You know, what would some other of you guys? You know, what are you guys working on? Any, any other projects you have coming up in the future? Anything you want to uh, talk about uh, other than uh, this current project? No, I, I I think I need a vacation. Um, actually, the uh, Devil's Five. I'm going to be. I'm actually going to be involved with Devils 5 until, oh, man, probably past the spring or next summer. I, I, it's, it's kind of one of those projects where, um, you know, you, it, you're kind of in it for the long haul. When, when you're an executive producer, I mean, um, for, for example, on, on, well, on one of the shoots, <laughs> uh, a, a piece of equipment, a very expensive piece of equipment got damaged. And so when people start looking for people to pay, unfortunately, the insurance premium you know, there's a deductible that's higher than what it costs. So we start looking at the producer. And so, you know, you get to deal with all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of in devil's life for the long haul. So I need to get through that and, and you know, get it into distribution and see what happens next. That's cool. Jim, any acting uh, coming up in the future for you? You're asking Jim? Jim, yes. <laughs> What's up, Jim? <laughs> oh, Hey, hey, Jim! Hey, Jim! Hey, right. his name is James Fox. Yeah, we'll put him. On, we'll put yeah. him here as Jim Fox. <laughs> you, you, well, you, you, you should ask. You should ask him how why I cast him in the music video. That's that's a good story. Yeah, why, why did they cast you in the music video? Besides the fact that you played a uh, kick-ass Nosferatu. Well, it's kind of funny. I mean, I myself have always been. I've always loved horror films, and I've always loved heavy metal, punk rock, death rock. And, uh, you know, from the first, I remember watching like a Lon Chaney, just a clip from a Lon Chaney horror film when I was a kid, I was probably eight or nine years old and it was on some, some like news or something. And I, all I saw was him behind a tree, you know, becoming a vamp, becoming a a werewolf. And from that point on, I was hooked. I love horror films and stuff like that. Now, the way I, the way I, uh, the way Thad, you know, cast me was he was talking about it one day when I was over at his house and I just went into character and I, I started moving, you know, and doing these hand gestures and this mouth stuff like like I thought Nosferatu looked. And and Thad looked at me and he goes, Dude He goes <laughs> You you look just like him And I go, Wow, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, he, wow. <laughs> he literally. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but but uh, and that and we just went on from there. And uh, I love doing the whole thing. And I just wanted to shout out to Dutch that um, that I, I really thought 
I think he's amazing as far as makeup and artwork. Yeah, and, I, uh, and he also and congratulations, he congratulations on the on the show you're doing now. And I think the makeup job, I have no complaints at all. And I wish I would have just shaved my head because it would have saved a lot of time. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, no, seriously. I mean, it would have been, would have been, would have been, would have taken that all out of the equation. And uh, but the, the funny thing, the only thing that I thought was was kind of funny was the was the uh, fingernail things that kept popping off. And we ended up having to take this super glue. You know, I'd go back and sit in my makeup chair, and, we'd, and I'd hold my hand up in the air, nails sticking up, and he'd be pouring the super glue down my fingernails. You know, so the things would stay on there, and it took me like hours to get the stuff off. But you know, the next <laughs> the, the day, I had it blew all over my hands. That was worse was than funny. the skull cap and, the, and everything else they put on you. Huh? The fingernails. Well, they were yeah, modified was... <laughs> uh, acrylic nails, is what they were, and uh, they had a certain concave angle to them. And right, exactly. Uh, the That's James has got really wide fingertips, and so his fingernails are kind of flat and wide. And these 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 acrylic nails, had, right. Uh, a really deep indent, and so really all the only surface contact that the glue could make was right at the edges, and so that they just weren't gluing on good. So we had to literally dump the glue into the <laughs> the cavity between his fingernails there just to get them to dry and, and stay on. So uh, they looked great, though. Like I was saying uh, before we went on air, uh, that 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 quick little clip in the video where his hand slides out of the the coffin and, and slides the lid open. I mean, that, that looked killer. <laughs> Very I, I cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. And the cross and Thad also wanted to, to have the shadow, like in the, like in the, uh, Nosferatu, the shadow of the hands coming across the wall, you know, yeah, we had actually toyed was very, with, very during cool. a pre-production, we were toying with, uh, finger extensions and I had actually taken casts of, uh, James's hands. Uh, and I had done uh, some some really elaborate sculpts to give his fingers just about another inch, uh, you know, of length, uh, but not make them look good. Right, uh, right, but, right. But you know the way he gestured with his hands and worked with his own natural hands. I just we just came to the conclusion that it looked great without it. So we we just kind of you know, one of those things that you do in production. You know, you you you, you put a lot you of work it into out. it. Yeah. Yeah, and it just wound up looking better without it. You know, look at like Rick Baker. I mean, uh, the last Men in Black movie he mm. did. Uh, I mean, he he did. You know, I think it was a total of like 100 total complete alien concepts. Yeah. Uh, each one of which was so strong it could have been its own movie, but they only showed like 25 of them. <laughs> so <laughs> in the actual <laughs> film, so that, that's just, that's kind of what happens behind the scenes in makeup. That's awesome. Wow. You know, it's funny because I, when I was watching the video for the first time, I didn't realize that the uh, the whole Nosferatu part was, you know, you guys uh, had uh, shot this uh, as original footage. I thought this was, you know, part of the original Nosferatu stuff because it's that looking. <laughs> oh, I knew I, that. The very, the very first time I saw it, I was like, did they get this from the – what? No, this this is not in the actual – no, what the heck is it, – it, it, it's that authentic Part of it was the it's, black and white, probably. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it really does fool you. It's really, really well done. Uh, there's a whole movie in there. <laughs> I don't know if you uh, thought about that, uh, Thad, but uh, there's a whole movie there. Oh, yeah, just, uh, yeah. Well, you, you know, you know, honestly, um, the the lighting that that uh, that we did that day, um, uh-huh. I lost I lost my gaffer, and so um, the, the gaffer is the one who works with the cinematographer and adjusts the lights. But the gaffer is typically pretty competent at lighting, and, and you need that because sometimes, especially when you're doing double duty as director and mm-hmm. cinematographer, you can't do everything. 
So I called a director friend of mine uh, named Tony Watkins. And I, I've worked for Tony a lot as a cinematographer. And I, I was in a panic. And I was like, Tony, is there any way you can come down and, and help me? And so Tony came down from Mount Vernon, which is about an hour, well, about an hour drive to where we were filming and lit for me all day. And so, you know, it, it's nice to have friends like that who will help you in a pinch. And so some of that lighting, like where the, the Jonathan Harker character is on the bed and, and the vampires kind of looming over him, a lot of that's Tony's lighting. And yeah. so it's, yeah, so, you know, I, 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 luckily I did have help creating that. And then, again, you know, Nick creating the, uh, the silent movie footage to look like it was authentic. I actually take that as a compliment that you thought it was, <laughs> From the real movie. It so, fooled me, you. man. And I watched a lot of movies, and I was like, wait a second. I am not sure if this is real or this is, <laughs> they, this is original or what the heck. <laughs> guys, listen, we're actually uh, joined on the call by Zod Ryder. He's uh, joining us. He wants to ask you guys a question. Zod Ryder, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, this, this, is a great, this is a great show. Um, I, my, que- my question is for Jim. Jim, is it true that you went to school with uh, Duff from Guns N' Roses? Well, no, I didn't go to school with him. I've known him over the years. Uh, my sister, uh, named Lindy, um, went to school with Duff at um, at uh, Eckstein Junior High, and then uh, he went on to Roosevelt High School. After that, she ended up moving out of you know out of Seattle and going to another school. But she used to hang out with him. Well, I've known Duff over the years. Like when he was, he's been in many bands. He's in the Veins. He was in uh, the Fastbacks. He was in Ten Minute Warning. He was in uh, the Farts. Uh, and then, and then he got into Guns and Roses. And I remember, not well, many years back. I mean, I've seen him a couple times since then. I uh, when he was uh, do when he was with um, Ten Minute Warning, which is, in my opinion, a very great Seattle band. Uh, who have some of the members that were, you know, from some of the other bands. Seattle is so known for so many artists and other from other bands and in other bands like the Melvins and Green River and um oh um Sir Mixalot Love Bone and well yeah Sir Mixalot they're a great <laughs> band too that's so different genre there but but yeah, uh, I'm just throwing anyway anyway yeah, Shout yeah. Out so, so I, you know blah 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 Anyway, I interviewed him many years ago when they did the first demo tape of 10-Minute Warning, him and Greg Gilmore, which is a drummer. And then uh, the time I saw him, next time after that I saw him was at a show, uh, this cannibal show, this metal punk band at the Ditto Tavern, and I ran into him there. And, I, and he says, hey, Jim, what's up? I go, hey, dude, I haven't seen you in a long time. What's up? Well, I'm living in L.A. now, and I'm in this band called Guns N' Roses. And we're playing, you know, we're getting pretty big. We're playing the Whiskey Go-Go and all this stuff and all the, all the clubs up and down Sunset Strip. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool, dude. I never heard of you guys before. And then six months later, Appetite comes out, you know, and I'm like, wow, you know, big time. But anyway, uh, yeah, and the first time I met um, Lane Staley and Allison Chains was uh, years back. I was a roadie for a band called Coffin Break who was on uh, um, CZ Records Epitaph. for a while, and Epitaph, and I think they did a little bit of stuff with Sub Pop and everything. But for a short time, they had a music, they had a studio down in Ballard at a place called the Music Bank. 
And uh, they had to get a bigger studio. And while they were waiting to get into a bigger studio, they had to share a studio temporarily with Alice and Chains. And that was before they got real big. And uh, that was when I first met those guys. And uh, and then another funny note to that was uh, it was uh, my ex-wife used to work at uh, the Rack, Nordstrom Rack Shoe Store, in the shoe department down at downtown Seattle on Second Avenue, and she sold um, Lane a pair of shoes one day, which was he told me about wow. that. Hey, you know this band? This is Where's Kevin Bacon in the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? <laughs> Kevin, you Kevin, know, I, I that Kevin, you, you met, Kevin Bacon or Kevin Sausage? It, well, either or. <laughs> you mentioned Jeff McKagan. <laughs> I I just mm, saw the dog band today, right a couple hours ago. I they played oh. nearby where I live here, and I sat oh, right okay. with Jeff's wife, and yeah, and I. Uh, so they're pretty good. They everybody lives what, in L.A. What, what, the drummer, he flew down. Oh yeah, they're called the Pink Slips. What? what which band was this? The Pink Slips. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I just saw him earlier yeah, I today. Know he's, he's pretty. He's pretty active. I mean, he's uh, you know he writes for the Seattle Weekly, and uh, and he's really active. And he's in you know always doing different things and different bands and stuff like that. He always has been like that. But yeah, that's a, an amazing connection that's, we have. We've had here. That's pretty Queen's awesome. Reich, Guns and Roses, uh, man. You guys have uh, all connected with some of like the greatest like the, rock bands. The whole, movies. the whole, you know, the whole six degrees of separation <laughs> thing. You know, like wow, no it's pretty cool. Well, if, if and, you ask Tim, Tim knows everyone. I mean, literally everyone. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> when you travel, you run into people. This is true. <laughs> this is true. The only no, person, uh, the only person that came in last year was Gwen. Sorry, Gwen. Oh, no problem. I'm just sitting here listening. <laughs> I, I will say that, you know, I'm not doing mu- as much out in Browning, Montana, but um, I did have rock photographer Mike Savoya come out, and we took him into Glacier Park for a day. And uh, But besides that, Pat and I had all these really great scripts, and the only thing we were lacking was funding. And Thad was always working out of his own pocket. So if we ever had funding, we still have these great scripts that are just on the back burner waiting to be done and they're still contemporary they still would be well done today um and if we ever if we ever got that together i'd be you know heading heading on the road coming back just to shoot those Uh, (laughs) are there any uh are there any uh you know shows from queens that really stand out in your mind from when you worked with them the one probably that stood out the most was the New York City show for the Cabaret Tour. That was the one we got the biggest response to. It was the most fun, most energized, that everybody enjoyed. But what happened behind the scenes that people don't know is the show before that was in New Jersey. And for some reason, the truck with all the props and everything in it, the band equipment, everything, instead of going through the tunnel, some reason they went up through the George Washington Bridge. And it took them, as opposed to the rest of us, it took about two, two and a half hours. Because it was rush hour traffic, it took them five hours to get to the venue. And everybody was waiting for them, including the Teamsters. And so um, they rushed. The Teamsters actually really helped out and really rushed to get that up on set because they have what's called a dark stage for like an hour in New York. And no one is allowed to go on that stage or they find you like $10,000 or something. 
Um, oh, and wow. so everything, everything went well, you know, we got, it, it was very rushed, but it went well, nobody got fined. But what was interesting that no, most people probably don't know is that after the show, the Teamsters were helping break down, um, the equipment and helping everybody, you know, get it down the elevators and loaded back into the trucks. Well, one of the, the Scott's really big drum that usually hangs on chains was being, um, carried around in a garbage can of all things and the garbage can made it downstairs through the elevator and was packed in because they knew that you know okay we we have this piece of equipment but when they opened it up at the next venue the the drum was gone and so uh something happened and it wasn't one of i'm just saying it wasn't one of our people um that drum disappeared a 1500 or more dollar drum was gone Maybe There's a phantom warrior out there that has No, that. no, because no, because <laughs> the garbage can was loaded, but the drum was not. The garbage can was loaded empty. Oh. Uh, we had some great shows, and I have to say, the Queen Strike fans are very loyal, and they're awesome people. I've met so many of them through that experience, and they're very, they're just. Um, there was a guy who was um, hit at the, I, I think he was, I can't remember if he was at Dodger Stadium or he was in San Francisco, I think he was in San Francisco, and he was a Dodgers fan, and he was a Queensryche fan, and um, his name was Brian Stowe, and um, he was beat, heavily beat, um, by these two San Francisco fans at the game. And um, That wasn't Queen's that long ago, I think I remember hearing something about that, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was, it was a year, it was, it was yeah, after year. the tour, so probably about mm. two years ago. And, um, boy, the Queensryche fans came together and were raising money for him. Queensryche themselves went down there and um, went to his hospital and visited him. And um, But there, just little things like that, you you always hear about people, like, something happening, and all of a sudden the fans are rallying, rallying yeah. around those other fans to help. And that's awesome. They're very loyal fans. By the way, we're joined mm-hmm. by uh, 516. We have another caller on the line uh, who wants to ask a question. 516, you're live on Inside the Jackal's Head with everybody. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Uh, this is uh, Terry Wickham calling. Mr. Wickham! <laughs> Terry! Oh, we were talking about you. <laughs> Speaking of you the know, devil, how are you doing, Terry? <laughs> I, I, I apologize. I only started hearing the show maybe about 10 minutes ago. I had this movie I had to watch with my friend. Uh, a horror film called Found. It was real gory, kind of a shocking. Uh, um, I don't know if you want to call it taste for or not, but anyway, I was watching that and I promised him we'd watch it tonight. So I didn't hear the rest of the show except for about 10 minutes ago. So if I ask a question that's already been asked, I apologize. My question for Thad is back when you made Father Rock, which had obviously various members of the Seattle rock scene in it, including Allison Chains. When you had that chance to make that music video for Allison Chains before they became famous, oh. is that something that you're still trying to um, make up for not doing? And I don't know if you told that story already, but I think that's a fascinating story. Oh, no, story. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I've never told this story in public. Um, yeah, so I... Um, Mike Bentley actually recorded Sea of Sorrow because KFW was playing Sea of Sorrow. It, this was about a year before Alice James got signed. And I heard it, and I, I knew they were going to be, you know, huge. And so I approached them 
about directing a music video to see if Sorrow. My, my big plan was I was going to pay for it and then we'd sell it to the record label. So Wayne gave me his, the card of his manager. So I go down to Pioneer Square and there's this woman named Susan Silver. And she says, yeah, I'm, I'm engaged to this guy named Chris Cornell. I manage this band called Soundgarden. And, and I have no idea who these people are. I don't know who Soundgarden is. And then she says, and this is my partner, Kelly Curtis. He manages Mother Love Bone, which later became Pearl Jam. And so I made this deal with them where we were going to direct Sea of Sorrow as a big spaghetti western. And I had um, nice. some, some people, and yeah, it was good. And that was actually Jerry Cantrell's idea uh, because he was very specific about the imagery that he wanted. And so when I later saw Sea of Sorrow, it was nothing like what they wanted. And I was I always kind of wondered about that. But basically, you know, they were going to ride into town, shoot it up, go into this brothel for a little leaven, and then ride out of town. We're going to intercut that with uh, shots of them on stage. In fact, coincidentally, we were going to use the same stage that Queensryche used to uh, to rehearse. Cool. But um, <laughs> yeah, so we were a couple weeks away from from filming it, and uh, I, I should probably say this with kids' gloves. Um, my brother-in-law kind of talked me out of it because I was uh, he, he well for various reasons he he thought it you know wasn't a good decision, and um, I d- agreed with him at the time, and so I called Susan and I said I can't do it. And um, later, our, the Art Institute of Seattle ended up doing it. And they did a very, I mean, not to th- I mean, it was a bunch of film students. So it looked very amateur. Well, Columbia Records ended up buying that and airing, airing it on TV. So had I done a music video, I would have been like, like a really young kid with, you know, like the hottest band in the world on MTV. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it kind of haunted <laughs> me for years. Um, that, that, yeah, so, but, you know, honestly, I, I will say... Um, I, I have to I have to say that you know that I really appreciate that Tim believed in me enough to do Enemy, and that um, you know he backed me doing it because honestly Enemy makes up for that whole thing because Enemy is such a better music video than I would have done for Alice in Chains, and I'm so proud of Enemy that you know so I, I just got to tell Tim that I really appreciate the opportunity to do it no matter how hard it was it was all worth it. <laughs> yeah, well, I had worked with you before, and I knew how meticulous and detail-oriented you were, so I was expecting the same thing, and that's what you gave me. It was everything down to the last detail, perfect, and nothing out of place. It was perfect. But, but Tim, I, I, I got I to say, honestly, you know, especially since this is in public, if you had known how hard it was going to be when I tried to sell you on the Nosferatu idea, would you have still done it? Uh, um, no. <laughs> well, because I wouldn't think it would have actually happened. It was we've gone through so much on this this music video. I mean, this is basically a small movie, and even with the, the the recording of the song and everything. I mean, this wasn't just like you know you show for a couple of days and shoot it and you're done. I mean, this was twelve oh, locations. Legit. Yeah, this is a legit-looking yeah. music video. This is really, really well yeah. pro- put together. It's really professional. And I heard, Tim, tell me if this is true or not, but I heard that you choose to play all the instruments yourself when you record in studio. Is that true? Yeah, it just, uh, you know, over all the years, when I look back, even as a kid, I kind of used to do that a lot anyway, and then I'd get together a band and play out live. I mean, it's just almost my whole life. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd write the song, record it, show it to the band, and then they'd learn it. So it's nothing new for me, but the only difference is now that I'm using my own name as the band name. Gotcha. You know, even even back in the 80s when I would do stuff like that, you know, we'd call it a band name, and then you'd have, like, the live band and then the studio band, which was usually just me and a drummer. So <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. And just this time I decided, you know what, I might as well get the credit for it, and then the band can't break up because it's just me. 
Exactly. <laughs> Nobody can kick you out of the band. You should hear a better way to do you it. Should hear, you should hear Tim shred on guitar, man. I'm telling you. Okay. <laughs> he can shred Oh, he, he's a hell of a, of a musician, man. He can play all those instruments. I mean, that's wow. That's no, he, right. what happens when, when it rains and you got to practice. In Seattle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. By the way, guys, we're joined uh, also by another caller here. Uh, 206, you're on the line with everybody. Welcome to Inside the Jackal's Head. Uh, what's your question for the panel? 206, going once. Well, mm, 206 is being shy now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is well, anybody there? Thank you for calling 206. We're going to let you go now. <laughs> that, I, I, that, that I, I, I have a question radio. for everybody. Another question. Because I know uh, I guess Gwen and other people leave. here. When, 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 you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you think of Queensryche, now there's that split between Jeff Tate and then the four other guys. Do you, which one do you consider the real Queensryche? <laughs> good, wow, good question. question. Um, yeah. Well, I became friends with Scott and Misty first, um, and I and as far as I remember their history, and if I, I could be incorrect on this, that the three of them were together. Um, Michael, Eddie, and Scott were together um, as a band before Jeff joined them as the lead singer. Um, but um, I would I would go with the the lawsuit and everything worked out the way it was supposed to work out. I think right. that Jeff um, really wanted to go with a different direction with the band, um, and that the the band was ready to break off. And so, um, a lot of even even people that were in Jeff's camp kind of told me that he had wanted to do more of his like solo stuff before the breakup happened. He was going in a different direction. He liked a different style of music. And so I think it worked out the way it was supposed to. Um, I wish them all success. I'm really happy the way that Todd has been received by the fans and how well their solo album did. Um, and I do have friends in both camps. I have people that have worked um, still with Jeff uh, that came off the cabaret tour, you know, different performers who, who go with him and different fans that go with Jeff. And, and I, there's fans in the, in, um, the Queensryche official camp. And then there's actually fans who support both. I, I just wish them all well. And, um, but I always will be friends with Scott and Misty and Whip and his wife, Carrie Lynn and, and Eddie. Um, uh, I have had no contact with Jeff and his wife directly, but I, um, still re- maintain a friendship with, Susan's sister, her twin sister, Kim. You, you know, with me, I, I don't know about uh, Tim and uh, Thad, but for me personally, obviously I have a relationship with Scott. Um, and whenever I've gone backstage with the band and I haven't been on tour like you were, but I've seen him so many times over the years and, you know, many times even backstage. I This is my own personal opinion, but I always found Jeff to be the the least friendly. I thought that Michael and uh, Eddie and um, obviously, obviously Scott were just very open and they'd talk to you. I remember one time I said to Jeff Tate, I said, you know, have you ever thought of being in like a Broadway show with your voice and everything? And he looked at me like I had five heads and he said, why would I do that? He was just <laughs> always put off, you know, always put off. And I thought it was like a compliment to him, but he, he was very standoffish and, 
I don't know. For me, I, I just I would gravitate obviously to the other guys that that you know are, are queens, right? You know, truly. But what about you, Tim and uh, uh, Thad? Well, I was, well, I was I just going to say something really quick about about Jeff too. Yeah, I think he, um, I think that he really a lot of them had to have, especially him, had to have his guard up in terms of privacy. And here's another story. I don't know if that many people know, but there was a queen, a female Queensrÿche fan who was like over the edge, and she believed that she was Jeff Tate's wife. And they found her under a bridge near his house with a knife, and okay. she was basically coming to kill Susan. So, oh, you know, I think, I think okay. that when you have people like that, you kind of have to, you know, you're trying to keep a barrier between your privacy and, and everything. Yep. But I do agree with you uh, how that is. I'm just, and I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying I know there might be some reasons out there that um, Jeff has, you know, kind of put a, wall in between some people because it's like sometimes you him. don't know who you're dealing with yeah no can't blame them uh before tim and thad a- answer your question though uh oh, terry i want to get to another the caller who called back in tool six you're live again on the air uh are you there this time i'm here there you go tool six welcome to the show <laughs> thank you i'm i'm so enjoying this um i have a question for jason is he still there okay. jason you're yeah, there right Yep, yes, sir. Yeah, Jason. Yes, ma'am. It sounds like you're going through a lot of different um, avenues. Do you have a website where people can go on and take a look at your work? Yes. Uh, yes, I do. Right now, my actual website, and it's taking me way too long, it's being rebuilt, so I'm kind of just using Facebook. But my Facebook is facebook.com slash devilish photography, all one word. And uh, there's another guy. You want to go for the artist, not the fictional character. I don't know who the fictional oh. character is. That's not me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, God, uh, thank you. Thank oh, you for thank calling you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Great call. I thought that I would just interject real quick. This is Dutch. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead, we Dutch. were talking earlier with our uh, our three degrees of separation from Queensryche. Uh, I don't have uh, any direct friendships with uh, the band, but I did body paint Jeff's daughter. So. Yes. Oh, because cool. I, I put her to you. I gave her your number yeah. and said, "Give him a call. He needs models." That's right. Yeah, yeah we did awesome. a little and alien did... she, she was actually pregnant with her child, and I did mm-hmm. a, an alien face hugger exploding from her pregnant stomach with a full blown yep. alien on her back. So nice. Dutch, you, you get a lot. Do you get a lot of celebrity and you know celebrities to come out to you to uh, get body painted, um, especially now with the exposure again. Uh, you know what, honestly, uh, if, if there were more celebrities, I would definitely take them on. Uh, you know, body painting is a lot of fun. Um, yeah. but you know, body art is one of those things where the, the, it, it, it's fun and I travel and I teach it and, and I do, you know, demos at large events and, and trade shows and, uh, things like that. But, you know, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to make a living at. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, my, I got a lot of irons in the fire as an artist, so I do a lot of mural work. I do a lot of special effects work on the side. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things happening. So, um, as far as, like, celebrities go, no. I, uh, it, it, may, it may happen now that, you know, the TV show's happening and all that stuff. Yeah. But uh, not really. That'd be cool. Hey, but, I mean, the, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, no, well, no, I, no. I was just going to ask if I was going to ask if we have uh, time to... Uh, to hear my my favorite Tim Branham story, definitely go for it. Oh, what is okay. it? Yeah, <laughs> it's um. 
Well, I, I, I was I was really hoping that uh, Tim could get to this. Uh, it, it's when you were signed to the Japanese label. And, and I was going to get to that... a couple questions about that, actually. I was going to ask oh, him, oh, how, I, how, how exactly did you get signed to a Japanese record label from you know, America? How did this happen? Well, I didn't even get signed. That was a funny thing. Uh, I didn't know that J- I was working with JVC Records, and I was doing a uh-huh. radio show about once a week over the phone in Japanese for Japan. Oh, in, no in an area called Miyazaki, and um, you know it was a—it's a huge radio station, and it's—it's it's just kind of like you know a TV channel here, or Channel Two or Channel Seven, Eyewitness News in Seattle, something like that. But uh, to me, it was just a phone call. You know, I didn't know what it was, and so this went on for about a year and a half. I'd be interviewed completely in Japanese, and I'd have to respond in Japanese, and they'd write out notes for me and things like that, play music. Cool. Uh, and then after about a year and a half of that, all of a sudden they said, well, do you want to go over there and play? And I said, sure. So they they gave me money to to hire a band, and I was lucky to get some really good band members together at last minute. And I wrote like six songs in a week, and so we'd have enough for a set and everything, along with the other ones I had. And I went there, and uh, I come to find out that uh, this was actually a huge deal. They spent, uh, you know, A and A Airlines paid for the the sponsored us it put us in the only airport in the world and then i uh you know didn't realize that there was all these banners and and advertisements (laughs) all through the city of me (laughs) and i remember and and i think the part that Thad's talking about is when i went into the tower record uh they said well you got three hours on the first day to walk around or do your your thing because i had a lot of in-store appearances and signings and stuff so i had three hours to basically see japan i think so i walked around and I went into a Tower Records and I was asking them, you know, how to get somewhere. And then all of a sudden, I looked up and they're, they, you know, they're already selling stuff, you know, basically illegally. But what can you do? It's, it's Asia, <laughs> yeah. right? But it's they're, Japan, they're, they're, yeah. they're selling everything in there, and I see my name. It's this is Tower Records, though. It's not some tiny record store. And right. They're selling my my stuff. There's pictures of me. There's this huge banner. And um, I couldn't believe it. You know wow. how trippy it, how trippy was that? You go to Japan and you you know you think it's you know, it's just a, a little superstar, and you're and you're like practically like Britney Spears going over there, like you know a huge thing, man. It's like a huge event. How it was pretty big. You? There was something like a hundred people that were my assistant. I had a couple translators, and then <laughs> that's awesome. The, it, you know, I played this huge show, and they raffled off tickets, and and then you know a lot of things started happening at the time. I I went to Kentucky. I can't remember if it was before that or after that to record with Days of the New and and I did a bunch of other stuff you know all in that time period but when I came back I remember coming off the plane just completely broke back into LA just completely broke and then you know of course you know this was you know, 2002 so the internet was still just catching on websites yeah. were still new and mm-hmm. anyway uh, a, a lot of the evidence was, was hit <laughs> so it was like you know, the 22 rolls of film hadn't shown up yet. The TV show wasn't aired in the country, uh, things like that. So, you know, it was just basically like it was a dream. <laughs> That's so cool. The thing, the thing that struck me too, Tim, is Japanese audiences are so different. I've seen like, like yeah. Tim sent me a bunch of photos. Mm-hmm. There's all these people and they just, they don't get up. They just sit in their seats very politely. Yeah, while they yeah. They're, yeah. they're polite. <laughs> they clap. And, yeah. oh, oh, the funny thing is, you know, you know those six songs I had written? And it, somehow they knew all the words. And they were singing along. Wow. Did you put the songs on the internet first, or just you wrote them and 
I, I wrote six songs and recorded them as demos in a week, um, and I'd already had a bunch of other songs, but I needed a full set of music, so I needed to play so an how, hour and how a half. They, how do they get the uh, the music to know the lyrics? That's a heck of a question. Uh, apparently, that's the secret Japanese <laughs> mafia. No, no, seriously, they they when I went there, they knew all the words, everything, and I knew nothing. I just walked into this country, and they knew everything about me, and I didn't know anything about them. That's why the Japanese are incredible. Hey, Jim. This is Jim Fox. I just want to say I thought you did an awesome job with with everything you did in there. But I wanted to say this. The whole Japanese thing reminds me of Cheap Trick Live at Budokan or Jesus Priest released in the East and some of those things. The Japanese following of American music and American icons and musicians and actors and stuff is, is huge. You know what I mean? It was really interesting. Like, yeah. Trick. yeah. yeah. You, you said you like Cheap Trick yourself. Well, listen to Live at Budokan, how wild the crowd is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Japanese. <laughs> like yeah. They pay attention, attention to every nuance, and they yep. have uh, Japanese special oh, yeah. editions with extra songs on their CDs. Uh, they're really big fans of music. Now we're coming down here to the uh, to the end of the show. We only have a few minutes, and I do want to play one last track uh, that you guys sent me, which I haven't played yet. "River to Flame." Uh, we're going to end the uh, show with this track. Uh, Tim, tell us a little bit about this song before we play it. Well, this this song's a bit different than the other two. This one's not so it heavy, is. but you but you know, as an artist, when you write a song, you just got to mm-hmm. do it. You know, it's like your kid. So I don't have any kids, so this is my kid. So I recorded this song, but I'm actually. You know, like Enemy and Taxman, there'll be a video for it, you know, at some point. But uh, I had this song mixed uh, up in London Bridge in Seattle. Um, and it's kind of tragic to say this, but uh, originally we were going to work with Rick Parashar, who recently passed away, and I'm sorry about that to his family. We, we learned a few weeks ago. But uh, Jonathan Plum mixed this, and Claudio Cooney mastered it. And uh, I just basically recorded everything at home except for the drums, which were provided by Chris Ross. So uh, check it out and let me know what you think. It's an awesome track. Uh, everybody, uh, you know, your final farewells for the evening. Uh, if you guys want to promote any uh, websites or anything that you want to give out to the audience so they can follow uh, along, please go ahead and uh, take a minute here to go ahead and do so. Uh, well, Go down the line. We'll start off. It'll make it a lot easier this week because not everybody's going to overtalk each other. So let's start off with Gwen, the, the only lady on the line. Gwen, anything you want to uh, um, give us? If anybody's at a powwow, if anybody's at a powwow, look up Kicking Woman Singers. That's my fiance and his family. They are uh, have a long career in powwow singing, and so it's something different that your audience probably isn't used to. So Kicking Woman Singers, look it up. <laughs> Kicking, Kicking Woman Singers. Singers. I, that works for me. Uh, Jason, we know already you, you got the Facebook stuff going. What's your Facebook link again so everybody can look it up? Or just uh, you, you, your name, right, Jason Rennick? Uh, it's actually Facebook slash Devilish Photography. You can find me by just typing in my name. Very perfect, easy. perfect. Uh, Mike, uh, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Resurrection stays at the Baltic Group. Yeah, everybody look him up at, uh, at the Baltic Room also. Uh, Mike Bentley, uh, yeah. give us uh, anything you want to uh, promote before we uh, let, let everybody go for the evening. Yeah, go Hawks. Awesome. <laughs> that works. <Yeah. laughs> Jim, anything uh, from you that you want to uh, give the audience, like a link or anything uh, for your website? So you have a website or anything? No, just a uh, pleasure being with the whole crew and hearing everybody and uh, seeing the thing happen, really. Great. 
Awesome. Dutch? Yeah. Yeah, hey, um, uh, you can uh, check out uh, my exploits on Facebook, uh, just my name, Dutch Bahari. Um, I have my website is Contours Effects, if you need uh, body painting uh, or special effects make work, uh, makeup work, um, or any kind of murals. Right now I'm up to my eyeballs in uh, 3D Chroma Depth Haunted House murals. Um, and uh, thanks for watching Skin Wars. Um, there's going to be some more TV appearances coming up here soon. Unfortunately, I can't uh, mention the names, but uh, uh, you're going to see me on TV quite a bit here coming up. So uh, I, I appreciate everyone uh, following me. Thank you for uh, being on. And, uh, guys, uh, thank you all for being on the uh, show here. And, of course, on the 21st coming up, uh, Mr. Terry Wickham is going to be a guest on this show again. So, Terry, you're going to be back on Inside the Jackal's Head on the 21st of September. Yeah, and um, I'm going to tell everybody about my the latest movie I just directed uh, in July. It's the first movie I've made technically in 10 years because it's uh, the projects I made before that were uh, you know, there was a trailer for a movie, and mm-hmm. then there was a, an aborted $6 million film. So anyway, I'll be talking about that film as well as a film that looks like I'll be directing in February as well. Very yeah, that, that's cool Devil's family. Five. That's Devil's Five that I um, that I talked about earlier. You can go to Facebook right. and just look up Devil's Five, F-I-V-E, possibly yes, yeah. on the devil. Yeah. So we'll see you again and, and talk to you again on uh, the 21st there, Terry. Thank you all for calling in. Everybody, thank you for being on the show uh, tonight. It's been thank just a you. blast. The, uh, the two hours pass by so quickly when you have so many cool people on the line. Uh, just a, <laughs> a blast having you all on. And we're going to go to uh, to the end of the show now with River to Flame. But, guys, stick around on PSN Radio because there's another show coming up right after this show in a couple minutes. The Outer Edge with Tim Schwartz and Michael Mott. So please stick around for that show. This is Inside the Jackal's Head. I am that guy, the Jackal, and this is River to Flame by the guest of the evening, Mr. Tim Branham. One of the many guests of the evening, I should say. And uh, we'll be back next week, everybody. Have yourself a great night. Hill goes down and it feeds on water. I walk a stone and I feel the power. The hills have eyes and a coming truth. I doubt the stars will ever move. Give a place to all you can. Decision wakes the. Love.